Welcome to another episode of Strengthening Devotional. In this week's devotional, we'll be dealing with the topic, the art of consecration, the heart of consecration. If you observe closely, I said heart, that is A-R-T, not act, that is A-C-T. This is because understanding the art, A-R-T, of consecration propels the act, A-C-T, of consecration. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this precious opportunity to learn of your ways even through your word. I ask that you will inspire understanding in us by your spirit and that we will be doers of all that we will learn in today's teaching in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Just before we continue, I want to beseech you by the mercies of God that you please follow these teachings closely and not casually, as I believe that the Holy Spirit by himself will be teaching us from the word of God. Amen. Amen. So let's continue on what we're talking about today, the heart of consecration. Let's start with the popular scripture that you know in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. The Bible says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. A similar scripture to this is found in the previous chapter in Matthew chapter 5, where the Bible says in Matthew 5, 6, that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, you must understand that when looking at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 and Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, both scriptures hang on two legs. The first leg is this. Let's take Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, for example, that says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You must understand this, that the believer is already filled with righteousness. Because of what Jesus has done, you have been made right with God you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. So you have received righteousness. But here's the thing, that righteousness which you received when you got born again is a nature that came with your recreated spirit. So the unbeliever on the other hand longs to be filled with righteousness, this particular righteousness. That's the first leg. If you remember last week, I mentioned that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that only God can fill. And by the way, in case you missed last week's devotional, please go and listen to it. It will bless you a great deal. Just for emphasis, the quest for righteousness as we observed from Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 has been answered to an extent. That is, the believer has been filled with righteousness but then righteousness as a nature in the recreated spirit. Now, the second leg of where these two scriptures come into play is that for the believer who is already filled with a righteous nature, for the believer who is already in right standing with God, this is where the whole idea of consecration comes to play. That is, only a saved man can walk in consecration. I'm going to say that again. Only a saved man can walk in consecration. And you would understand this statement I just made very shortly. A very popular text on consecration is found in Matthew chapter 16 from verse 24 to 25. Let's look at it together. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, the Bible says, Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let's pause here for a minute. Most people would interpret this scripture, especially from the point where Jesus says, deny yourself, to mean you must deny certain habits and lifestyle and all of that to follow Jesus, which in itself is very true and very correct. But you see, that's not the first thing that Jesus is saying here. 
Rather, Jesus is saying that for you to come after me, you must deny the old self. You must deny the old man before salvation. You must deny the old nature before the cross. If you go back to Matthew 16 and verse 24, watch the progression. It says, if you will come after me, you must deny yourself. The next thing he says after that is that you must take up the cross. You must take up the cross. So after you deny your old self, after you deny your old man before salvation, the next thing you must do is you must take up the new man that you are in Christ. What Christ did for you on the cross and by his resurrection, you must now take that and wear it upon you like a garment. Hallelujah. So it's not just that you deny your old self and your old habits and lifestyle and all of that, but now that you now take on this new life that you have in Christ, only then can we follow him. In essence, Jesus is saying the life of consecration precedes the practice of consecration. The life of consecration precedes the practice of consecration. Now, remember, we're looking at Matthew 16, 24 and 25. And verse 25 explains what I just said better. Jesus says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is so powerful. So you see what I'm saying here? That only a saved man can walk in consecration. That is, you have lost that old self. You have given up that old self. And now you have taken the life of Christ. Glory to God. You have taken the life of Christ. You have denied that old self. You have denied that old nature. And you have taken your new nature in Christ. Now, you must not forget that the series that we are on, under which this topic is a subtopic, is attaining spiritual maturity. And you see, spiritual maturity is not for unbelievers. You've got to understand this. Spiritual maturity is not for unbelievers. What the unbeliever needs is an encounter with the Lord Jesus for his salvation. But for you, the believer, you must grow spiritually. For you, the believer, you must grow spiritually. So back to what I was saying earlier on. The day that you became born again, you died. The you that died is the old man, the old nature, the sinful nature, the sinful man died that very day. And that same day, Christ begins to live in you. Hallelujah. I love the way Apostle Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Remember that thing again about taking up your cross and following, denying your old self, taking up the cross. So when Christ was being crucified upon the cross, that old nature was being crucified with him. Glory to God. Back to Galatians 2 and verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Here it speaks again about that old Old self that the old self no longer lives but Christ lives in me wow Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh when he says live in the flesh he's not saying that the life in Christ is one that you will live by the flesh he's talking about the fact that because you are still on this side of eternity you are still bounded by this earthly body that's just what he's saying so he's saying that this life that you now live in this earthly body you live it by the faith of the Son of God who loves you and gave himself for you. And so the believer is a man that is dead and the believer is a man that is alive. 
you are dead to your old self and you are now alive unto God. Now, I hope I've not lost you for a second. We're still looking at the heart of consecration on our journey to attaining spiritual maturity. Now, a quick side note here is this. You see, the world we live in keeps giving us several reasons on a daily basis to either stop believing in God or to make our convictions in God become shallow because of the happenings around us. But you see, as believers, we can always hope for a better tomorrow. Not because we are that wise or strong in ourselves. Remember, our old man is dead. Our old man has been crucified to the cross with Jesus. But the reason why we can keep up alive is this. The Bible says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. So back to consecration. The Greek root word for consecration is the word agiasmos. And the Hebrew root word for consecration is the word kadash. And these two words literally mean to consecrate, sanctify, prepare, be separate, to keep oneself sacred, amongst all other meanings. But simply put, you must understand that consecration is a process. It is a process. It never stops. And in this teaching, we would learn the importance of consecration in our journey to attaining spiritual maturity. I hope you're still with me. Now let's continue. One of the commonly used synonyms for the word consecration is the word sanctification. Sanctification. What does sanctification mean? Sanctification just simply means the practice of advancing in holiness. Now, if you've paid attention to some of our previous teachings, you would most likely have come across a phrase in those teachings which is the progressions of salvation that is we are saved our spirit man we are being saved this speaks of the soul and the mind and we shall be saved this is the progression of salvation we are saved our spirit we are being saved the soul and the mind we shall be saved this now talks about the final salvation which shall happen at the glorification of the saints at the rapture and so even though our spirit is recreated in right standing with God holy and perfect, sadly our mind and our body is yet to attain godlike perfection in those areas. So you see the entire point of consecration or sanctification and I'll be using those two words interchangeably doesn't really have much to do with your spirit man. Your spirit man is okay, your spirit man is perfect. The worst you can do to your spirit man is either you do not nurture it you disobey it or you quench it and all of this were addressed in our previous series on how to be led by the holy spirit i just want to listen to that again so here's why sanctification is important if the mind and the body is not dealt with the capacity of your spirit in helping you come into the experience of your positional realities in christ will become prohibited let me say that again if the mind and the body is not dealt with the capacity of your spirit in helping you come into the experience of a positional realities in christ will become prohibited glory to god now do not forget that sanctification is a continuous process so for as long as we are still on this side of eternity we must continually give ourselves to sanctification glory to god having said all that we have said so far how does sanctification happen how does it happen in one word sanctification happens when the believer totally submits to the lordship of the holy spirit remember sanctification is a continuous process we continually get sanctified till we either die or if jesus comes before we die <laughs> glory to god so let me say that again sanctification happens when the believer submits his or herself totally 
to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to make a powerful statement which I had some time ago, which is this. Jesus is God's gift to mankind, but the Holy Spirit is God's gift to believers. Jesus is God's gift to mankind, but the Holy Spirit is God's gift to believers. So the work of sanctification is one of the major assignments of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. The work of sanctification is one of the major assignments of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. You see, there is a reason why the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. God could have decided to describe the Holy Spirit as good spirit as we will find in the book of Psalms or pure spirit. And in the New Testament, the Bible describes him as holy, the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, I mentioned much earlier that the word holy is similar to the word consecrate. So this already suggests to us that there is no work of holiness without the Holy Spirit. Our spirit has been made holy. Yes, I agree. That's why our spirit can house the Holy Spirit because our spirit man has been made holy. Do you understand that? But now the Holy Spirit wants to find expression beyond our spirit man. It wants to find expression in our mind and in our body. So on this journey of sanctification or consecration, we must understand that God has not left us to do it by ourselves. He has given us his spirit for the work. He has given us his spirit for the work of sanctification. What then must we do on our part? We must totally submit to the Lordship of the Spirit. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, Apostle Paul writes, and he says that God has chosen us from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. So you see that this thing about sanctification and consecration is by the Spirit, not by the might of any man, not by the power of any man, but by the Spirit. Hallelujah. In 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 1 to 2, Apostle Peter writes to God's elect here and he begins to describe them this way. In verse 2 he says, we have become God's elect and we stay that way through number one, the foreknowledge of God, and number two, in sanctification of the Spirit. So the work of sanctification is of the Spirit. Glory to God. And so you see that on this journey in pursuit of holiness and consecration and sanctification, we have help. You see, God is not concerned about just the salvation of your spirit alone. He is concerned about the salvation of your entire being, spirit, soul, body. That's what Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, from verse 23 to 24, that now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch what he says in verse 24 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So it means God is able to help you. God is able to help me on this journey of sanctification and consecration. Glory to God. The arm of flesh will fail you if you try to go by the strength of the flesh. Where sanctification is concerned, we must totally depend on the Holy Spirit. And so you see, when we give ourselves up to the Lord in consecration, it is only then we can come into the full experience of His life that we have received. Some saints will put it this way, the end of self is the beginning of God. If He is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all. Lordship signifies ownership. Our life as believers is no longer ours, but God's. 
our life as believers is no longer ours but God's. When we got born again, the confession of our mouth was not Jesus my Savior. I know now that when altar calls are made, we talk about accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, but the Bible does not really see anything about that. What we find in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 is that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what you confess to at the point of initial salvation or getting born again was the Lordship of Jesus. It is your confession to the Lordship of Jesus that brought you salvation. So as a believer, you don't live your life the way you want to. Now you live your life the way God wants you to. And here's the tricky part. When believers begin to hear things like, you know, you're no longer living for yourself, you're living for God, it is no longer your life, it is God living in you, we sometimes feel this is a call to a life of bondage, which is so far from the truth. And the Bible is replete with scriptures about this. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, I love the way the NIV puts this verse. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So one of the very reasons that Christ saved us is for freedom, not for bondage, but for freedom. Glory to God. And of course, there is the classic verse in John chapter 8 and verse 36. The Bible says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Glory to God. True freedom is only found in Christ. But this freedom is fully experienced in consecration. Let me say that again. True freedom is only found in Christ. But this freedom is fully experienced in consecration. Now, you're most likely asking yourself, true freedom is found in Christ and this can only be assessed in consecration. So freedom from what? Now, I'm going to help you. Here's a list of a few things that we've been freed from. The believer has freedom from sin. We have freedom from guilt and condemnation and death. Romans chapter 8 from verse 1 to 2. Verse 1 says that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Verse 2 says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has delivered us, has set us free from the law of sin and death. So I have freedom from sin. I have freedom from condemnation. I have freedom from guilt. I have freedom from death. And you also have the same as a believer. These are the things you've been freed from. You have freedom also from the power of the enemy. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says we have been delivered from the power of darkness and God has conveyed us into the kingdom of his dear son. We have been delivered. We have freedom from the power of darkness. Hallelujah. We have freedom from captivity and oppression. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, which is the popular scripture that Jesus would later read as captured in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted and to proclaim liberty for the captive, liberty for the oppressed, freedom for the oppressed. And so in Christ Jesus, we have been freed from captivity and oppression. But you see, we cannot come into the full experience of these things if we do not live in consecration. During your days before Christ, whatever sin wanted was what sin got. And this doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you were just living a very reckless life, living a wild life. Sometimes some of us were actually morally good, but still not right before God. But you see, when you got born again, God gave you a new nature and more importantly, God filled you with his Holy Spirit. So you're no longer under the control of your sinful nature. Sin is no longer your master. The Holy Spirit is your master. 
I love the way Apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. The Bible says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, where is the Spirit of the Lord? Is in you and I as believers. Glory to God. There is liberty. There is freedom. There is freedom. Do not forget this. One of the major assignments of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is the work of consecration. And so because the Holy Spirit lives in me, I am free. Therefore, our acts of consecration are not obligations for justification. That is, our acts of consecration are not to put us in a right standing with God. We are in a right standing with God because of what Jesus did. All right. However, our acts of consecration not only brings us into the experience of the things we've been freed from, but also brings us into the full experience of the things our freedom is for. So the second question about freedom is this. What is my freedom in Christ for? The freedom we have in Christ Jesus grants us liberty of the spirit. The freedom we have in Christ Jesus grants us free access to the Godhead. The freedom we have in Christ Jesus grants us the ability to live in our full capacity as believers. The freedom we have in Christ Jesus grants us the ability to serve God wholeheartedly. The freedom we have in Christ Jesus grants us the capacity and the ability to know God intimately. Remember John 17 3 that we talked about last week. So because we have been justified by faith, according to Romans chapter 5, not only do we just have peace with God, but now we have free access to God. And so the boundaries of our freedom in Christ is not as defined by us. Even though true freedom is found in Christ, consecration helps us to maximize the experience of freedom. But you see, our freedom in Christ is not defined by us. The boundaries of our freedom in Christ is not defined by us. The boundaries of our freedom in Christ is defined by God and his word. In Psalm 119 and verse 45, the Bible says, I will walk in freedom for I seek your precepts. I will walk in freedom for I seek your precepts. And so we must understand that the word of God is the defining factor where freedom is concerned for the believer. Nobody desires the best for us the way God does. And so if God says, these are my standards that I desire that you live by, it's to our good that we obey. You see, we must enjoy our freedom by living the life Christ has freed us to live. Christian freedom is for enjoying what we are made for and who we are made for which is God in Christ Jesus. So a consecrated life is what will lead to consecrated practices. Remember what I said earlier, the art of consecration is what propels the act of consecration. In Titus 2:11 down to verse 13, the Bible shows us how that when the grace of God that brings salvation appears to all men, it teaches us how we ought to live. It teaches us how to live in consecration. Now, I know there are arguments that, you know, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is more of a relationship. But here's the thing. The religious practices that we sometimes do help us to sustain the relationship that we have. And so putting in some disciplined practices only help us to maximize our relationship with God better. So a consecrated life would lead to consecrated practices. And so as we round up this week's devotional, let me just weigh a bit on a consecrated life and consecrated practices. A consecrated life is a life that is in total surrender to the Holy Spirit. And I've mentioned earlier that the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us in sanctification. And so a consecrated life is one that totally submits to the Lordship of the Spirit. And you know the interesting thing, a consecrated life is a life that is full of consecrated practices. And topmost of these consecrated practices is having a deliberate time of consecration with the Lord. 
And so we'll continue from this next week as we look at the topic intimacy with God. At the end of today's devotional, a very powerful song by William McDowell would be played just to help you soak in the things that you have learned in this week's devotional. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us this week. We pray, oh God, that we grow in understanding of these words that we have received and we are doers of them in Jesus' mighty name. See you next week. Just in case you're here to follow us on Instagram, please do so at Exodus Global. And if you have questions, you can send us a DM on our Instagram page or reach out to us directly through Telegram. We would love to take questions. We'd love to help you bring clarity to certain things. Maybe you didn't understand some things I mentioned in the devotional. We'd love to take questions from you and help you in your progress and joy in the faith. Till next week, we love you. We celebrate you. God bless you. Give myself away I give myself away So you can use me I give myself away I give myself away So you can Come on, let him know I give myself Give myself away